0: welcome to Interlinked, the podcast initiative under Center for New Economic Studies. Interlinked aims to break down barriers between various social and political issues and have nuanced discussions between them. Under this, we have a sub-series called Kitabon Ka Karma, which aims at holding intriguing conversations with authors on their recently published books. I am Arshi Suvarna, a third-year law student who's a columnist at Nickel Dime, which is the research platform for Center for New Economic Studies. Today, we are joined with Ms. Anjum Hassan and we'll be discussing her recently published book, History's Angel. Good afternoon, ma'am. Uh, firstly, we'd like to welcome you to Interlinked and I'm extremely thankful that you agreed to do this. Um, uh, Anjum Hi, Arushi.
1: Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Happy to be doing
0: this. Uh, Anjum Hassan is a poet, novelist, short story writer, critic and editor. Her books have been nominated for various awards, and the writer for her book, History's Angel, uh, has also received critical acclaim. So, uh, ma'am, we'll just get to it. Um, uh, History's Angel is a book about uh, Aleph, who is a middle-aged history teacher living in Delhi. So the book is just not illustrative, but discusses, like, very relevant themes that are, you know, I mean, it's probably like a mirror of what's going on today. So can you tell us more about the character of Aleph and, like, what inspired you to write this book?
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you for that question. And thank you for reading the novel. That's so exciting to hear, especially coming from a university, coming from young people. It's really um, very encouraging. Uh, of course, one wants all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds and demographics to read one's novel. But the idea that young people are reading it always excites me, and I hope more will. Um, after our conversation uh yeah so the novel is like you said it is really the story of one major character there's a host of minor characters around him but you are spending a lot of time inside the head and also around uh the circumstances of a man called alif who uh like you said is teaching history at a school in delhi And he's a pretty innocuous character. He's not up to much. He doesn't want to be a firebrand of any kind. He just wants to animate history for his students, take them out on little trips, show them things that you can actually touch and feel. If you're talking about North Indian history and you're in Delhi, there's still so many relics, uh, so many bits, fragments of, both uh, Sultanate Delhi and Mughal Delhi and even little bit of the kingdom before that up to that point which you can actually see uh, the remains of. So um, my idea behind having a character like this was kind of twofold. One is that he being a teacher, being a historian, being a reader, being an aspiring writer as well is an objective mind, right? Right. He wants to see things uh, from as balanced a point of view as possible because he has this learning, which is the average educated thinking person. It's not like he's a brilliant scholar or anything like that of history. He's just a well-read amateur historian. So, I wanted to take a character like that, who is very well informed, very secular, liberal in his outlook, but also to make him a Muslim in today's times and see what happens. What happens if he's seen increasingly, not by everyone at all? I mean, he has a lot of friends who are as balanced as him. He has some friends who are not even interested in religion as a perspective or a lens, but then there are others. In the wider society, who start to see him as a Muslim man, he's put in a spot. So I I wanted to explore what that feels like if you are sort of boxed in a particular character uh, in a particular cat category at a particular historical moment, but at the same time you feel that you are and you are not that figure who is being seen in a particular way. How do you deal with the conundrum of that that's what I wanted to explore so and that's why we have Alif uh, thinking a lot and talking a lot and struggling a lot with this position yeah does that
0: make sense yes yes uh, like you said I mean Alif is a character who's secular who's you know who's a writer who's a history teacher who reads a lot so um, how did you like come up with the title of the book like obviously it's related to history and given that it's Delhi and already has a very rich heritage of history right so, um, hmm. how how did you come up with the title of the book? Like, what was the thought process and everything? Because I, yeah. I would, you know, I I would love to write a book someday, and this is very interesting. So,
1: okay, okay, okay. Would you would you want to write fiction? Does fiction interest you, or history, or something else? When you say a book, what do you mean? What uh, kind of book?
0: I love reading political science and history books, fiction mostly. Okay. Um, So, I just want to know what the thought process was like, you know, coming up with the title and how do you, you know...
1: title, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, on the face of it, it seems to just fit Alif because he seems some kind of emissary from the world of history, like bearing these kind of uh, ideas from the past that he keeps inserting into the present in conversations with his friends and his colleagues and his family. So it just made sense as a very literal reference to Aleph um, but of course it has a deeper connection as well to something that the the scholar and, and the critic and the historian Walter Benjamin wrote
0: okay. um,
1: which is a very interesting fascinating actually all his work is fascinating because it's very idiosyncratic and written in a way that doesn't follow a standard sort of, you know, beginning, middle and end kind of uh, academic argument, but it's more like these inspired bursts of uh, inspiration. Inspired bursts of inspiration, that's a tautology. Inspired, (laughs) inspired, what would I call it? Little vignettes, I think, little sort of, yeah, a sort of a a, a very um, not completely, uh, you know, within the academic framework and he wasn't, he didn't belong to the academy in that way. So this essay is called Thesis on the Philosophy of History and it is inspired and also it has reference to a painting by Paul Klee called uh, The Angel of History, exactly okay. that. And the figure is sort of a very um, unangelic, actually, in some ways, looking angel. He's not, you know, it's not a cherubic figure. It's not uh, a cute angel. It's a very troubled looking angel with his face sort of looking back and his wings uh, set in another direction. Okay. So... Uh, Walter Benjamin just sort of takes off on this image and uses it as a metaphor. I don't know what Paul Klee was thinking when he painted this, but what the way Benjamin reads it is that this is an angel of history because he is kind of being pushed into the future by forces beyond his control, uh, and so he was referring to the particular historical moment of the twentieth century where it felt like you know that things both like in terms of progress in terms of how the world is moving which seem like beyond our control the individual is completely buffeted by these changes but then you may still want in some ways to use the past as inspiration to go back to the past uh to secure yourself anchor yourself in the past and it may actually not be possible anymore we may have broken with the past completely so i have. It's a very well-known painting and it's a very well-known essay. So I thought that if as a reader, you know that, then you will get the connection with Alip. Okay. And if as a reader, you don't know, it's still hopefully an evocative title.
0: Okay. That's uh, that's that's actually great. Um, while I was reading your book, uh, I came across like the different characters, right? So we we have um, Mrs. Molloy, you have Ganesh, who is his friend. Uh, and then we have Mr. Rawat, who's the principal, um, if I'm not wrong. And um, so the different, different characters signify different different things. So like, if I'm not wrong, Mr. Molo is very like progressive and all of that. Uh-huh. So um, there are characters that Aleph gets along with and there are certain characters uh-huh. that he doesn't get along with. Like, was this supposed uh-huh. to convey a sort of message or like, and you also call one of the characters, um, Fred, if I'm not wrong, Hindi, right? Like, now that I'm, hmm. I do know. I think I know what it means, for, to an to an extent. Um, but hmm. like, was all of this supposed to signify something? Like, what was the role that all these characters were supposed to play in the book?
1: Yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, you can't have a novel just, uh, based on a person who's sitting and thinking, right? That will okay. not create enough drama and enough tension for a story and you do need a story to hold different thoughts together, different events together and to create interest. So I needed to give Alif a little universe of people around him who are acting on him in different ways and he's acting on them Uh, and these are drawn from the school where he works, they're drawn from his uh, larger social world his family his friends his former friends and yes of course there has to be conflict again that's a very indispensable ingredient of fiction unless there's conflict you can't move right. the engine of the novel right any any half-decent novel that you take unless you um uh, can put your finger on the tension in the novel. You you won't be able to consider it as sort of you know worth reading. Something things have to move, and they only move if characters come into some kind of if even if it's not overt conflict, but something uh that sort of puts pits them against each other. So in Alif's case, that tension comes mostly from a colleague, his principal actually, the principal at the school where he's teaching that's the source of conflict Uh, but there are other kinds of things going on as well like you said there's a character called Miss Malloy who's very uh, sort of weighed in favor of Alif she's very sympathetic and they think alike in Mary's face but at the same time she's more of an outgoing experiential kind of figure because she loves traveling she loves Talking to people, she believes in testing ideas through actually going out and doing things. Right? Even when when there's a sort of these protests taking place in Delhi towards the end, she feels like one should participate, one should raise one's voice. So she's a doer. She's a she is a doer and a thinker. So that's to me so you know, again, when I say conflict intention, it doesn't only have to be through actual incidents, it could just be the contrast. Right. Right? The contrast also creates interest because every contrast with Alif shows him up as himself, if you know what I mean. right? It, it, right. it, it, it brings him out in better relief. Uh, all these characters around him who are a little different from him, even though some, like you said, are more sympathetic and some who are not. And one character uh who is somebody who used to know as a younger person and reconnects with is called a hindi like you said yes and there i'm really quoting from iqbal's famous poem that is sung as a kind of almost like an alternative national anthem that we all know right, right. right, right. Know yes yes hmm has this figure of the Hindi. Hindi Hindustan, Hamara. So the idea is whoever lives in Hindustan is a Hindi. And it's a very syncretic, obviously much more North Indian than South Indian idea. I don't know how a South Indian would react to the idea that whoever lives in Hindustan is a Hindi. But then even the idea of Hindustan is a very Indo-Gangetic kind of idea. Though it's referring to the whole country, it really is. More sort of a Indo Islamic or you know, Ganga Jamuna is the phrase, right? And both are northern <laughs> rivers. So, right. so all of this I think goes into the idea of a Hindi, but then what I'm really saying there also is that the Hindis themselves are going away, they're sort of becoming extinct, is what Alec feels. And when he meets this character who's not very old and neither is Aleph, I mean he's in his mid 40s and this woman is somebody who uh, was the same generation as him so it's not as if these are very old people but they feel or at least he feels about his generation that they came from another world, um, most certainly his parents came from another world, he calls them Hindi as well right. and somehow that way of being an Indian Uh, which was not just about religion, but more about culture and a certain set of values, that is going. And so so he thinks uh, the only way to sort of give um, some meaning to what that loss is, is to talk about it as a loss of the Hindi.
0: Oh, that's, that's actually a great symbolism. Uh, uh-huh. um, no when we talk about conflict Um, there's this one particular scene where everything begins going downhill for Aleph right so this is when Um uh-huh. Ankit uh-huh. who's the child he takes on a field trip uh, goes missing and then like finally after that he, when he does end up finding Ankit and you know um he Ankit says something on the lines of how Humayun's tomb is closed um mm-hmm. because it is actually Hanuman's statue inside it do you think mm-hmm. maybe this is like a mirror of what's going on right now and you know Um, Hmm. like, what was the scene intended to portray? Because if, especially since, essentially, it's a child that was the statement, right? So, like, what was the Hmm. idea that was conveyed through this?
1: Hmm. Well, actually, those uh, are two separate incidents, but they both involve Alif and his student Ankit, who's a bit of a scamp and very, very irreverent. And Alif is usually quite tolerant. He's he's a very affectionate teacher and he loves his kids. So he doesn't, what I suggest is that he's not um, a strict disciplinarian or really not pulling up his children that much, but he really seems to meet his match in this little boy who just will not take him seriously. And so uh, what you're describing actually happens uh, on two occasions. The first is the real conflict because he takes him at the beginning of the book, he takes his students he takes Ankit and everyone else, the whole class, to see Humayun's tomb in Delhi. Yes, yes. And Ankit says that, oh, I thought you were taking us to see Hanuman's temple.
0: Right, right. And
1: it's really um, hilarious and uh, could even be an honest mix up. You know, it could just be a child mishearing or hearing what he wanted to hear, not what was actually said. And so he runs off and is uh, sorry alif is completely at a loss about what to do and where this child has gone so that happens and then later in the next scene when they meet each other in the classroom he says something else to do with the kaaba which is right. you know the place of mecca where muslims go on hajj and he says something about that that he that is disrespectful and alif wonders where has this child been hearing these things you know, so uh, definitely that standoff between Aleph and Ankit forms like one of the triggers for what happens later in the book and sort of affects the whole drama of the book and affects uh, Alif's um, destiny, I guess, at this point in his life, at least. And I just thought that there's so much going around that is in the nature of sort of half-digested facts, uh, invented Uh, ideas to do with the Indian past, to do with history, to do with religion. And these are things one keeps hearing, right? I mean, it could be like even fairly well-educated people will suddenly say something that just leaves you gobsmacked because it's so flies in the face of fact. And you think this is so willfully silly, it's almost juvenile. So I thought to put these in the mouth of an adult sometimes you hear things that won't even sound convincing in a novel but i thought putting them in a child's mouth somehow would make sense because a child doesn't have the judgment to separate uh, what is just a rumor or what is just a propaganda from what requires you to really think and ask yourself can this be really true so sure. that's why Ankit, who is a very intelligent, or at least a very smart child, but clearly mis- misled, uh, or maybe just uh, prone to inventions of his own or exaggerations of his own, he hears things and then he makes other things up based on what he's heard. So yeah, in the figure of Ankit is is uh, a little of that ghastliness that we that we're all familiar with. That is uh, basically all these rumors and half truths that that are Ray. in circulation in the name of history
0: right i mean like you said ankit is is a very smart child but then he's obviously misled and there's like a lot of propaganda mm. going around right mm. do you huh. think an individual is probably more than just their you know religious identity or maybe their ethnic or political identity because an individual is not just merely like a representative of his religion or any or anything so on right So looking at it from today's political standpoint, uh, what would be your opinion and, you know, um, how do you think the characters of the book try to establish that maybe they're not just mere uh, identities of their political or religious self? Hmm. You know,
1: if we believed that people were just their religious or their ethnic or their political identities, then we would never be able to write novels or even read them, I think, because without the human side and without the very particular individual inner worlds of human beings we couldn't write fiction because if we're just going to have characters acting out their expected identities I mean you could write fiction but it would be very a very dull kind of fiction right Right. because Fiction really happens. I think to be fiction really happens uh, when you are able to access as a writer a person's heart and their and their inner life, which may be very, very different from how they appear or how they're seen from the outside, right? There's always that uh, disconnect. There can be that disconnect between how we're expected to be, who people think we are and who we actually are. Today. So for me, that whole realm of the private, the personal, the inner, that is of interest. And of course people are not their religious identities in private, right? Why why do they have to be? Which is not to say that they if you're a devout person, you won't you're only devout in an external social sense. Of course you you would also be devout for yourself. Uh, And I'm not saying that these identities are just assumed and artificial, but they are also particular stories that we tell ourselves and they need not be the only stories, right?
0: Right. So um,
1: I think to me what I'm trying to uphold actually is the uh, independence of fiction itself as a form which can explore people from the inside, which can explore people just having conversations or having encounters that is not in order to prove any point. It's just about what life looks like at this moment in this country, right? I don't think there's any other space in which you can do that because other kinds of forms of writing, which are more driven by you know uh, reaching a conclusion, about what's going on, finding out, uh, gathering data, or doing a particular kind of research to find out the truth about something, these are all important, honourable things to be doing. But the open-endedness, and even the sense of fun, and um, the pleasure, and the humour that you can have in fiction is only possible in fiction. Right. right. So for me, what I'm trying to establish is really that fiction still matters, and the only way I can think of doing it is by writing a novel. Right,
0: right. Mm. You know, mm. I mean, uh, like, it, because I think from I mean, for, as a reader, I would definitely love to read what I'm probably not, or you know, something that's in my head. Mm. It's, it's it's something mm. that uh, it's not reality, but it's something that you would want to escape too. So, um, yes, I I think that yes. just makes a lot more sense. And um, Mm. like, I mean, you said about how, you know, what it feels like to be a Muslim, maybe in today's country, right? Um, Mm. What, according to you, like defines an Indian, like, do you feel this identity is being metaphorsed into something else entirely? You know, like, what is it to be a Muslim in today's country? Or what is it to be anybody? Like, is there an identity that is being metaphorsed into something totally different?
1: Mm. Hmm. No, of course there is. Uh, there are these identities that we can't do without, that we're born into, that affect us, and that are uh, who we are in many ways. What I'm saying is that they don't exhaust the sum of what we are, because sometimes we're also trying to work against them, uh, even if a lot of the time we're working with them and we... We subscribe to them, and so in the case of this novel, it is very much a novel about a host of Muslim characters. Not all the characters are Muslim, but many of them definitely are. Right. Alif, of course, his family, his relatives. Uh-huh. Yeah,
0: I uh-huh. mean there were there were two different kinds of Muslims that were discussed as well. I think some Alif was who's uh-huh. somebody who is secular, uh, but uh-huh. you, know, you have Ahmad who is who's uh-huh. probably indoctrinated with like the Saudi version of Islam. Then you have his parents. Uh-huh. So there were Mm. different extremes of the religion as well. So that's why I just want to know.
1: Yes. Yes. I think the best way to uh, depict a religion is to just show various people who believe in it, but believe in it in different ways. What better way to talk about Islam or Hinduism or any religion? Because we usually do it in terms of the dogma, right? right? Or the what what are the established beliefs, what are the ways in which they should be followed or upheld. But again to me as a novelist, what is interesting is the human. How the how do people different people interpret it and make it their own. And I think with Islam, yes, there there is coming to be a more conservative, more orthodox side of it, which is very, very compelling to some people like Emma who feels uh, himself uh, uh, finding, I think, kind of protection in that idea because he comes from a, a very impoverished background and has had a very difficult life. And somehow in the mosque, in the Muslim community, he finds a kind of shelter, you know? So he's very susceptible, actually, to that version of Islam. Okay. And for someone like Alif, it is not of much account that this is happening because he feels like, again, that it's not something you need to take very seriously and he's more secure and more liberal and uh, more sort of cultural, like you said, idea of Islam, particularly the history. I mean, he's somebody who's thinking of the history of Indian Islam, how, for instance, there was an era when the Sufis held sway right. uh, and, you know, the whole Sufi culture was taken as very central to the religion. And then of course, things changed over time. It's not as if uh, Sufis don't have followers today, they still do. But there was a sort of late uh, medieval, like early modern period when Sufis were were, were treated with much more respect, uh, and had a greater say in what Islam was. So he's very aware of these, uh, you know, Stages or layers in the history of Islam on the subcontinent, uh, and maybe that's what makes him a little more distance from the faith itself as a believer. And I don't think the two things are contradictory. I think you can be a believer and a and a historian of a religion. It doesn't have to be in opposition. But in Ali's case, he he he's. He's conflicted he's torn he's not he's not out and out a believer but he's not an unbeliever either he feels he's he' is very close to the prophet he's very close to some aspects of the religion and of course his family is at least his aunt and his grandparents were very devout muslims so he 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 holds that very dear the fact that you know he comes from a family that was very very grounded in the religion. So I just, again, to me, doubt is an important part of faith, you know? So Thanks. can we make space for that, for uh, for approaching faith in, in that way, which is not just about going by the book, but uh, not being like a good Muslim or a good Hindu in a textbook sense, but somebody who's actually struggling with doubt and asking himself, like, what is it really all about? uh so what i was trying to convey yes is like all these different experiences that go in the name of religion there are also people who like for instance his grandfather who would believe that to be a good muslim you have to be uh you have to be humble right you have to keep your head low and just do do your work and not ask too much from life you know and to me that's also a very interesting aspect of islam which is which literally actually means submission the word and this idea of humility and and remembering that you are just one of god's creations and you have to submit to him it can result in a a very fascinating uh humility uh, which which Aleph would find very attractive in his grandfather and of course then he outgrows it but that to me is also Islam, you know, that you're actually not looking to be uh, very, very loud or very um, militant in your faith at all. You just keep the faith and you do what what you have to do, and you are content with what has been given to you. To me, that that, that is a very important part of the image of Islam. So yeah, so I think it's important to remember there are all these things that go in the name of the religion.
0: Yeah, that's actually very beautiful because, like, what is to say? I mean, what who is a good Muslim or who is a good Hindu? Yeah, yeah,
1: um, exactly. It's,
0: yeah, I mean, because there's really nothing you can fall back on. To, there's no judgment you should be passing, if, especially if it comes to like your belief in something. And to mm-hmm. show diverse aspects of the same in a book—that's really great. Um, mm-hmm. I just have to say, um, I think we're running short on time. So, uh, oh. it's been a great conversation. I loved having you here um thank you so much for sharing all your thoughts about the book it was really interesting to meet you and um I hope you've had a great time
1: thank you Arushi thank you for your questions and like I said I'm really excited that there's interest in the book at the university and among young people among students so yeah all the best with your own writing and your own work
0: thank you so much thank you it was great meeting it was lovely thank you so much thank you bye thank you